the artist's brain is an independent variable. When brought into the everyday world, their senses find meaning in even the most mundane observations. The reaction must only be told by the artists themselves. I'm Loverboy, and this is an experiment. Today's guest is a producer, songwriter, and instrumentalist. He found himself DJing in Chicago, interning for Floster Damas, signing to Skrillex's label Ausla, and now producing and writing with some of today's biggest artists, including Diplo, Dylan Francis, Trippy Red, Juice World, and many, many more. His name is actually a take on his older brother's name, which in Hebrew means lion. And I'd like to welcome today's guest, Aryeh. Did I pronounce that right? You nailed it. I mean, that's the the Jew in you. Maybe you just, it's a natural, rolls off the tongue. So this season on This is an Experiment, we're talking about what it took to fully bet on yourself. Mm. And at what point you knew that you were ready to to bet it all on yourself and to bet it all on the on the art that you've been practicing so hard. You started in Chicago and found yourself working with and for some of the most, I mean, incredible and massive DJs in the world. How did that start? Why did you find yourself there? Um, I mean, in Chicago, it was uh, <laughs> like really funny. I'll, I'll give a short version, but uh, me and my cousin wanted we used to go to parties right like you didn't go to see a dj to see a dj you went to a dj to just like oh let's go party you didn't know who the person you didn't know their name it wasn't like now um so we went to see floster damas it was called floster promise they used to throw these prom nights and my cousin recognized one of the dudes uh he's like i think i served that guy at PetSmart, like because my cousin worked at PetSmart, and uh and then we walked up to them after the show we were like yo great set da 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 and they were like yo we're looking for interns and my cousin was like, we don't know what that means, but we wanted to be white Jewish rappers because that's what every little white Jewish boy wants to be <laughs> at some point. And uh, so we were like, we'll intern for you. What does it mean? And we were just slapping stickers on like Chicago things and like running around Chicago. And like when at their shows, we would like go out into the crowd and bring up a bunch of girls. And we thought we were the shit. We went like went into green rooms and we were like, we were so like enamored by like the backstage life that we were like, we saw free alcohol and went crazy. We just like chugged all their booze and they would get so mad at us. They're like, you guys need to chill the fuck out. And this is during the shows? Yeah. Um, the first thing we did was after the show, we got Josh's number from Flostradamus and we left him. We wrote a rap voicemail because <laughs> we, we hoped he didn't answer and he didn't answer. And we were like, yo, this is Mickey. This is Shlomo. And we're doing it. And we wrote this whole thing where we're like, we want to be your intern. I don't even remember the rap, but it was... Well, now you guys know Very how cringy. to intern for Arye if you want. You got <laughs> to get on his uh, get on his voicemails and yeah. write, a, write a real or, good rap. Or nowadays it would just be like an Instagram voice message or whatever. But uh, so yeah, so that's how we started. And then I heard that and I was like, oh, this is what EDM is. But well, I mean, we didn't call it, it wasn't it was dance music, whatever. Mm -hmm. I heard Daft Punk. I heard like these things that I just wasn't familiar with as an eighteen year old and saw the culture of it and I was blown away. I was like, I want I want in on this. I want the stardom. I want whatever comes with it. it the, I just saw what came with it. And it was crazy. And was that what kind of rolled you into becoming an artist at the time? Yeah, it's it's like looking back now, it's like I didn't know that I was becoming an artist, so to speak, because I always wanted to be a rapper. Like I was trying to be an artist, I guess. I want. I, I was trying to be like LMFAO. Like that was like, I was like, I want to make like goofy rap shit. We both have the hair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I was like, I want to make goofy rap shit. And I look enough like Weird Al, so I was like, I can make this work. 
and my cousin wanted to make serious underground hip-hop he was like big so we were a duo Mm -hmm. so yeah so like looking back like that's i didn't realize i was like being an artist but yeah it was like i just want to produce i want i was like i i heard daft punk and i was like i'm already a producer i've been producing since i was 14 i was trying to make soldier boy beats and there was no like YouTube tutorial on how to do shit, so you had to find the right snap and the right oh, yeah. uh, steel drum <laughs> or whatever oh, yeah. fucking crank that was. I was like, how do I, how do I just make this music? So it wasn't so much. I didn't have the foresight to be like, oh, I want to be an artist. It was like I just want to learn how to make these sounds. Totally, you know. And you went from Chicago, which is, I think, as different as it gets from LA, to somewhere that you're now surrounded by every writer and musician and artist that you could possibly ever imagine. And now you're not an artist anymore. How did that start? I mean, to, again, to like make a long story short, uh, the EDM thing was cool and I toured and I DJed and, uh, Simon Skrillex, like you said, and I was a touring artist and I had a lot of doubts and insecurities. And like, there was a lot of kids coming out that were just younger and really fucking talented. And I, and I was like super intimidated and I was like, I don't know if I can keep up with this world. I don't know if I can be this guy to like keep, I, I, I would like self-sabotage. I would make music and I would send it to Diplo and Skrillex and DJ snake. And they were like, yo, this is fire. But they would always not Skrillex so much. He, he was less responsive, but Diplo and, snake would always be like yo like whatever song i send them put this out this is fire just put it out just put it out and i would always be like no they're just saying that it's not good enough it's not good enough so i self-sabotaged and never thought anything was good enough and that was in the era i mean let alone now people put out like 20 songs a fucking month or whatever i i should have been putting out more music and i probably would be living a different life if i did but so that career kind of trickled out and i had never done a session at that point, I didn't know what a session was. I didn't know what, like, working with a songwriter was. I didn't know what, like, writing a song was. And this girl, Anjali, who lives out here, she's from Canada. She's, like, a pretty big artist, mm-hmm. pretty big songwriter, super successful. I randomly met her, and she was like, let's write some songs. And we wrote uh, songs for Jacob Sartorius. He's, like, an Instagram boy. Uh, he's, he's fire. And uh, I was about to move home to Chicago, and she got me some money, and I was like, running out of money from the dj shit and i was like oh so you can make money from like producing and writing for other people Mm -hmm. i was like i've heard of ghost production right like making an edm beat for someone else but my ego wouldn't let me do that i was like no that's unpure totally well in the dance world uh uh, if you have a ghost writer or a a ghost producer it's cheating right if you have it in in the real world if you will in the the pop world it's It's not even just normal it's necessary you will find 99% of the songs out there don't only have one or two. They have a list of look people. Look at the credits. Right. Yeah. Just look at the credits. Exactly. So I, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't mm-hmm. know that's how things went down. And uh, Anjali gave me a chance and she helped me make some money. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I want to keep doing this. Then a few months later, I was running out of money again, about to move home, quit music. And Diplo's manager, Kevin, and A&R Juba called me and because I did this remix for them, this... Uh, unforgettable that song mm-hmm. the, the, i did a major laser remix and it did really well like i didn't realize that it I was like oh, i looked later it was like 40 million 50 million plays i was like Whoa, wow this did really well and they hit me up like a year later or six months later we're like yo do you want to sign to a pub deal with us and i was like i don't know what that means i'm out of money so let's fucking do it like i'm super down and i didn't know what i was getting into and now th- that three years have passed and the pub deal is over and i learned a fuck ton about sessions and like 
now I, I was thrown into the fire. I, I'd never done a session, like a real. So Diplo was like, you better learn Fruity Loops. Or sorry, I was on Fruity Loops. He's like, you better learn Ableton because I don't want to just do stems. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I learned Ableton. And then I'm in the room with people. I'm learning how to record on the spot. Like I, being an EDM producer, all you know is how to make like wubs and weird fucking dubstep noises. Well, and the studio aspect isn't really there. You can go sit at a, a restaurant. Coffee shop. Yeah. That's where I made all my music was coffee shops. Totally. And yeah. there's and when you're just on, you know, your your DAW and your headphones, there's something romantic about being anywhere you want. Like there's a there's a beauty to it. Yeah. But there's also something about getting getting to learn about what a studio feels like and having creative energy that is is not yours just all around you to to grab onto and to to push and pull from and it it really can be one of the most beautiful things in the world as a musician to see what a studio session is like and and have that feeling of creating with other people i totally i totally agree um at that point i had never known that so it was very new to me and i was like oh this is what like making songs is. Yeah. Very interesting. So what was that first session like? Man, I wish I could remember. It's not coming to my mind like who the first person was. One of the earlier sessions I remember is this girl out here in LA, Valentina. Um, she's dope. Her voice is crazy. And I knew at the time she was like, she was dating Mike Sabbath, who's also like a fire producer. Mm-hmm. So I was like super intimidated. I was like, anything I do with her is going to be trash. Like he's really fucking talented. Um, mind you, he's like now working with like Sean Mendez and like these huge people. So you're right. He's very talented. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and then this was before all that. Right. So I was nervous to like, I was like, I'm not going to bring anything to the table that she's going to appreciate. And, but I remember we we wrote this song and it's like, so cool there was no songwriter it was just me and her mm-hmm. and i was super proud of it and i was like and to be honest like there's a lot of music that i make with people that i'm like i'm just making music here i, I don't necessarily like this song i'm just yeah. facilitating the, you know it's still a career it's a career and that's what i started looking at it more as i was like i am this isn't my vision this isn't like i'm trying to take this person's idea and bring it to life and as best as i can even if like i think the song is cringy even if i think the song is this or that um what i'm learning more and more and like it's kind of shitty to say but like there's a lot of sales that go on in this business you're mm-hmm. so, it's like first you're a therapist you sit there you talk to the artists and you're like tell me about your life okay your dad was mean to you and your mom was an alcoholic or whatever let's maybe let's write about that maybe let's not and you do the whole therapy session and then you're a salesman because when the song's done the artist has a hundred songs that they made with a hundred other producers. Why are they going to put yours out? Right. And like you want your song to come out because you need to live and you need to make money. And if you believe in the song, it's not hard to sell a song. Can you explain that part to people? Cause I think that's something that a lot of people, especially who come from the EDM world or who don't know this side of it. Why are you not making a shit ton of money when you're producing for a big artist until that song comes out? Why, how does that work? Um, the most money I ever made or the most consistent money I ever made was from touring, mm-hmm. right? Um, you play a gig, you get X amount of money. It's, oh, you're playing three gigs this weekend. You're doing good. Yeah. Put up in the hotels, green rooms, all that good stuff. Um, you don't make money because the, the expectation, unless you're in a very rare circumstance where someone has a bunch of funding, uh, the expectation is I will reach out to someone whose music I like on Instagram. They will come over. We will make a song together. Um, if they are on a label, when the song comes out, I might get paid. Yeah. Um, I'm fighting tooth and nail for every dollar. 
I'm probably going to be all lowballed to fucking hell. It's very rare that you'll get what you think you deserve. Absolutely. Um, and if they're not on a label, <laughs> like good luck getting a thousand dollars up front. Absolutely. And uh, think about when you, when you start to look at the hour hourly breakdown of like how long you worked on this song and how much you're getting paid, it can it, it can be like forty cents an hour. Like if if you know what I mean. Let's say you work forty. I'm so bad at math, but forty hours on a song and you make a thousand dollars. Someone do the math there, but it's it's not good. It's not good math. It's not good money. It, there's definitely it's not a, a desk job where you know at least if I sit there eight hours, I'm getting paid for eight hours. Sure. It's there's I mean, no guarantees. No, no guarantees. And no. like you were saying, sometimes you have to fight tooth and nail just to get. Not sometimes. Every time. Every time, just to find, um, until, just to get that baseline. Until you have leverage, mm. right? Until you're like, I produce such and such, and I'm the hot producer in demand right now. And even then, I know a lot of producers who are the hot producer in demand, and I've asked them these questions. And they're still fighting tooth and nail, and they're still Absolutely. getting fucked on, getting credited. And it's a those things. dirty business at times. And you, one of the things that I can recommend to so many people that I didn't do and I didn't take seriously is learn the business side of it. Like mm-hmm. it's not a joke. Go go know how to not get fucked over. That's the pro- the problem is is like what does that mean to learn it? Like you you can't really learn it until you get burned, uh, or or if you have someone who's like a friend who happens to be like my friend out there outside, David is lucky because he's working with my boy Danny and Danny's been doing this for like 10 years. So it's like, Danny's going to be like, Hey, let's not do that. Let's go. The, if, if you have a friend and also it's cool. Cause there's like Kenny beats will put out YouTube videos now or streams or whatever. There's a lot of like information out there now that yeah. wasn't there before, but even then you're still going to get fucked. I guess it is situational. It's very situational. I guess what I mean more is, is learn at least to understand some basic vocabulary and to understand what you're looking at if you look at a contract. Um, I mean, I would say I have a lawyer. If you ideally, that's true. I guess. I guess if you're if you're in the position where that much money's on the line, then get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. Don't. Well, what do you consider that much money though? Like for me, if the song's mm-hmm. a thousand bucks, I'm probably not gonna have a lawyer look it over. I'm just gonna like let's just fucking hope for the best yeah here. but but if the song blows up then you're going to be kicking yourself because exactly. you did, you know so it's a, it really depends if you it really depends on if you believe in the song hmm. i think i have i think i really trust my gut that's one thing i learned while i was an artist i learned putting out my own music i always knew which songs were going to do well and i was pretty much like 90 percent ratio that being said i put out like seven songs in the whole career totally but but i i was pretty like aware of what was going to do well so if I believe in a song and someone's like, "Hey, you can take fifty percent of the master and no money," or you're taking fifty thousand dollars and no master, it's like, if I believe in the song, I'll take the master. Why do you do this? Why? Why do you? Why do you still find yourself making music? I mean, this is a tough industry and it's it's cutthroat. Yeah. What what gets you up every day? I mean, the me trying to be funny answer was going to be like, because I'm sick in the head. Um, Aren't we all? Yeah, like. You have to be fucked to be in this business because of how insta- like unstable it is. Um, what gets me up? Why do I do this? <laughs> I, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> like, I you know, there's this classic trope of like, I'm an artist, you know, and it's like I I need to create, and if I don't create, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't identify with that. Hmm. I'm not that dude. Um, and I watch people that are like that, and I know people that are like that, and I and I envy it. I'm like, man, I wish I was that dude who always has the guitar in his hand who couldn't live without writing words down every day. Like, I'm not that dude. So that's not why I do it. I do it um, 
one part is uh, the word is escaping me, but like practical, one part practical, practicality, like practically speaking, I need to make money and I need to live. And I know I'm good enough at this that I can get by. Some months are better, some months are worse, whatever. You know um, your worth. Yeah. So, so that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it, and this is me just being dead honest, is like, I don't hate it, right? A lot of people get caught up working a job they fucking hate. There are days that I love this. There's never a day that I hate this. There are days where I'm frustrated because I don't think I'm good enough. Or, or whatever bullshit politic stuff, political stuff comes up, the red tape with the label or whatever, managers and A&Rs. That's not enough to get me to stop doing this. If, if I disliked it, if I woke up and I was like working with some artists every day who I was like, why am I doing this? What am I? If I felt that way, I might throw in the towel. But thank God I've, I've never felt that way. And I know people that do feel that way and they hate their life, but they might be very successful. So that's why I still do this. I'm glad you had that answer and I'm glad you shared that because I think there are so many different perspectives when doing any sort of job, which is what this is at the end of the day. It's, it's right. still a way to pay your bills and to feed the kids and to do whatever it is for yeah. the rest of your life. And there are so many different types of people and people who've listened to the, the other episodes know that I'm the type of person where I'm annoying and if I'm in a studio, I'm holding a guitar. There's no... I. I, again, we should preface this with like the fact that we hardly know each other, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And that I bought your cousin's fucking <laughs> carpet on yeah. OfferUp and then he told me about your music and I watched one of your vlogs and then I was working with Ahmad Royale and you were like, yo, I know him. And I was like, I actually know you because I watched your vlog and it's now you're here. Um, that, all that to say, like when I saw your vlog and I, and I look at you and like the way you're dressed and you're dressed super cool and like whatever you come off to me as one of those people who like I said it like half jokingly, but like I envy, I envy people who, who feel this shit in their bones because I don't, I, I just, I, I like it. And mm -hmm. some days I love it, but I never hate it. Totally. And if you hate it, that's when it's like, you got to get out of there. Part of this whole thing, this journey, this fucking weird ass roller coaster we're on isn't always about finding something you love you, you don't always need to have something that you love all the time. You just need to find a way to fucking wake up and smile and mm. dig your life and, and don't pass on generations of bullshit because this is a choice. There, mm. we, we are lucky that where we were born and all these situations happen to come together and we have a choice to be happy. And whether you fucking need music or not doesn't matter. You, you love what you do because you love being a happy person and you like enjoying your job. And right. that's a choice. And that's a great it, it, choice. It is. I mean, we don't need to get too deep with that idea because, like, <laughs> I think of my, I think of certain people in my life who would be like, it's not a choice, it's a privilege, and, you know, that totally. whole side of things. But, like, I hear you. Uh, you get to decide what you do every day in an ideal world. And uh, I, um, I'm a fan of the way I live. I like, I'm very routine oriented. I wake up at 630 every day. I work on this one thing I'm doing where I make stems for money. And mm -hmm. then it's like, cool, that's an hour of work. And then then I work out. Then I fucking do this. And then, uh, next, and then I work from like 10 a.m. to like 9 p.m. is the goal, like yeah. to work on music, sitting in front of a screen. Some people think that's disgusting. You know, it's like you're not outside. Some people are like jealous of it. They're like, wow, you get to make your own schedule. So so that's that's the privilege of it that I'm I'm like, I'm not giving that up. Totally. Like, I don't want a boss. Our, our bosses are the labels, the managers, they and ours, right? The people yeah. that have to approve 
of the, the song people. and it coming out. Those are my quote, our quote unquote boss. I'm assuming you do production as well. Like, Absolutely. Again, we hardly know each other. So I, I know that you make your own music and it's fucking dope, but I don't know your other side of things. So Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad we got to meet on this note and that people got to hear our first, pretty much our first conversations. Yeah. You know, got to meet you and a couple of your friends to start, but yeah. Um, man, I, I love what you're doing. Thank I'm, you. I really appreciate you jumping on this with me. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. And to everybody listening, I'm Arye, and this is an experiment. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye. The experience is the experiment. <laughs>